Welcome to Mission Minded, the podcast where we explore outside-the-box thinking in carrying out Christ's Great Commission. On this week's episode, we are joined by Daryl and Hazel Edwards of Foundations for Farming. Our sponsor for today's podcast is Dignity Roasters Coffee, locally roasted and packaged by the distressed to fuel each day. Dignity Roasters was born through a passion to partner with the distressed and the desire of bringing the universally loved beverage of coffee to your hands. To order your own coffee or to learn more about Dignity Roasters, visit their website at DignityRoasters.com. Now here's your host, Jim Tingler. Daryl and Hazel, thanks for joining us on the Mission Minded Podcast. Great to be here. Thank you, Jim. It's always good to have people here in the studio as we've been doing a lot of a Zoom and Skype, and it's always best in person, face to face. Yes, it's great to be here. So we've got a lot of stories to talk about with Foundations for Farming today, but I've had some team members bring up a story that we need to hear, and if you're willing to share it, I know the audience would like to hear it. It's the story of your wedding day. So Daryl, what, what's unique about your, your wedding day experience? Well, there was, there was two main issues. Um, the first thing was, and I think it was probably the more important thing than than what the fun thing, and that was Hazel was 45 minutes late. And people didn't believe she was actually coming. Oh, cold feet. <laughs> <laughs> I, I had faith. But um, the more interesting, more fun side of it was that I was bitten by a crocodile on, the, on that morning. Um, I was actually managing a crocodile farm of 10,000 crocodiles at the time. And obviously everybody who was staying with us wanted to see the crocodile. So I was giving a tour and I'd caught a fairly small one that uh, I was holding so that everybody could touch it and see what, was, what it was like. It wasn't a very big one, maybe two foot or a little bit more than that. And uh, as I let it go, I was a little bit slow in releasing the tail. So I'd let the head go first. And I should have let them both go at the same time. And I whipped around and actually almost sliced the back of my hand off. Oh, man. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, well, it wouldn't stop bleeding. No matter what we did, it just kept weeping. And uh, that had happened about 10 a.m. So three, 3 o'clock when we were at the, it was a garden um, wedding. So I'll say church, but it wasn't church. Hazel was meant to be there, but my hand was continuously dripping. And we couldn't stop it. <laughs> so when Hazel eventually did arrive, and the reason why she was late was we actually got married on the same day as, as Robert Mugabe, the ex-president, and his wife Grace, the infamous Grace. And uh, his cavalcade or her cavalcade pushed Hazel's ca- um, vehicle off the road. And then it was an old automatic Bentley and it wouldn't start again so that she didn't get to the church on time and uh, when she did eventually arrive she was totally out of it she didn't know what had happened to me and uh, the minister was joking about crocodile dundee and all this stuff and she didn't know what he was talking about (laughs) until we got to the ring um, ceremony where she had to put the ring on my finger and she then, or when I was putting the ring on her finger, she saw the blood. <laughs> and then it was quite difficult to stop, uh, trying not to get blood on the certificate as we were signing as well. 
Nice. <laughs> Signed in blood. Nice. Exactly. That's great. So the resistance comes in many forms, but you got married. Yeah. We did. We weren't Christ followers at the time, though. Okay. And how long have you guys been married? 25 years this year. Nice. Yeah. So that was another question that I was going to ask and, and how you came to Christ. Maybe that's a good transition. So you weren't Christ followers when you got married. No. How did you come to Christ? Um, it was nearly 10 years. Yeah, about 10 years after we were married. I, at the time, we were farming uh, flowers and we were growing uh, six hectares of flowers for export into Holland. Um, I was searching for a way of doing it cheaper and more organically. And due to the things that had happened in Zimbabwe just prior to that, there were very few people, farmers, left on the land, let alone organic farmers. So we were struggling to find somebody to teach us. I ended up coming to the States with my brother, who used to work at Echo Fort Myers as a farm manager. And uh, the deal was I would go to Echo with him uh, to the conference there, and then we were going on from there to uh, Corvallis in Oregon for a two or three week compost training. Little did I know that the conference in Fort Myers was a gathering of 250 missionaries from all over the world, and I was an unbeliever. So it wasn't the most comfortable situation. <laughs> the worst part was at tea times where they would say, so where do you serve? It's like, uh... <laughs> <laughs> anyway, um, that trip had a huge impact on my life. I went to learn about compost, but the things that I saw under the microscope during that training were just mind-blowing and I came to the realization that there must be a God who created these things. These things didn't evolve and just happened to be, which is sort of where I always was. And when I got back to Zimbabwe soon after that, um, first thing Hazel did was ask me to read The Purpose Driven Life with her. Hmm. And uh, within a few short weeks, we were going to church and gave our lives to Christ. And we like to say it was because of compost and, <laughs> the, and the microorganisms that we've seen under the microscope. Yeah, praise the Lord. Yes. So I know Louis Giglio talks about how great is our God from, from the, the universe and the stars right. and all of that aspect. But for us, um, he has even more of an impact when, when you study how all of the microorganisms in the, in the soil work. I mean, we can't even see them. Right. Um, most of us don't even know they exist. And even the smartest scientists um, have very little clue as to how they all function and how they all work. But when, when you start really studying it and you just, it's just blows your mind as to the intricacy, the balances that exist there. And there is just, he's just so great and so amazing the way he he's created everything. Um, yeah. It's amazing. Well, it's uh, great how God can use a lot of different forms and a lot of different ways to present yeah. himself and make himself known. Yeah. So that that led you guys in into a different direction, right? And that's how you got a, 
that direction is what led you to Foundations for Farming? Yes. Um, so while Daryl was at that ECHO conference, he met Brian Aldreve, who was the, the founder of Farming God's Way at the time, which then evolved into farm Foundations for Farming. Um, yeah, these two African boys had to go all the way across the ocean to meet each other. And I think Daryl and, and um, Brian struck up an immediate friendship. And when Brian heard that Daryl was going to study composting, um, there was the Farming God's Way com conference coming up. So he was, he was really um, eager for, for Daryl to come and share some of the stuff that he learned at that conference. So Daryl was, at that stage, um, he was not a full-on um, Christ believer yet. Right. So, so he was one of the very, well, I think he's been the only one who's been invited to talk at, at a Foundations for Farming conference who, who wasn't a believer at the time. But um, as it would happen, we, we, we just completely fell in love with, with the whole Farming God's Way approach and, 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 and everything about what they were doing. And we wanted to be part of that. So we volunteered with them for a good while. We used to drive from the farm and, and do all of the compost trainings for them initially. And then um, they, they, be, they basically became our family and our church um, from, from that perspective. And we actually ended up being baptized in, in the pool at one of the, at one of the early conferences. Oh, so, praise the Lord. Yeah. That's that great. It was, was amazing. And this is back in Zimbabwe. Yes, nice. in in Harare. Nice, where, where where the headquarters is. Yeah. So what what exactly? I know you've mentioned the training, but tell me about foundations for farming. What is what is it that they? Why do they exist? What do they they try to so, do? <coughs> way back in 1982, Brian Aldrieff began a journey where he was a manager for. Um, a very large uh, crop uh, farm where they were doing things conventionally. He had a thousand hectares of wheat, maize and soil that they were rotating and they were making a huge loss. He then turned to Christ and said, please show me how to farm. And God showed him that in, in creation, in nature, there is no soil inversion. There is no machine or even animals that turn the soil over. And he also saw that in the same place, there is always a cover over God's soil. It's never left naked, bare and exposed to the elements. So he took those two things that God showed him and he tried to implement them in his field. And from the very first year that he did that, he started to make a profit. And once it began to to succeed and do well com commercially, God also showed him that this was not for him. This was for the people, for poor people all over the world. And he began a ministry of teaching into small-scale farmers and helping them to, to come out of poverty. God showed him four principles, or three principles primarily. The first one is to do things on time. Second one is to do things at a high standard. Third one is to do things without wastage. If you can accomplish those things, you'll get a fourth one, which is with joy. And then the joy of the Lord is our strength. And these things bring hope, but most importantly, 
they allow people to begin to make a profit and bring them out of poverty and into a sustainable, uh, self-sustainable, productive environment. Obviously, everything we do is biblically based, and the main thrust behind the agriculture is that we can enter a community without much um, opposition and bring the gospel, because everybody needs to eat. And even if they're a different culture, different religion, they want to learn about agriculture. And once you're there, you can begin to preach the gospel. So it's an amazing entry point. Yeah, I'd imagine that would open a lot of doors um, into communities. I mean, you mentioned the, the poorest communities. And uh, I'm just curious, what kind of impact has the training had? And you've been involved for, was it 15 years? And I'm sure through the years you've heard success stories. And what what kind of impact can just a training take have on a community? So um, we've been we've been faithfully serving into um, small scale um, rural communities in Zimbabwe for for the last twenty years, I guess. Um, and we've always focused on. On the poorest of the poor, the people who, who, generally speaking, um, in the in the NGO, which is a non-governmental organisation, and even in the in, in churches, people people want to help uh, those who they see can help themselves. Um, so, they generally focus on folks who 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 want to improve what they already have. But there's a there's a big um, group of people who who are kind of below that level which everybody tends to ignore or, or, or step over, if you want to say that. So for us, they're, they're where our heart is, is to, to bring them out of poverty, where they can start to pay their children's school fees, where they can start to, to, to make a slight profit, improve their surroundings, um, build slightly better homes, and, and start to make a living off the land where, where they are. Because in, in Zimbabwe, Everybody has some land. Generally speaking, in in the in the rural areas, they they all have access to about four four acres of land, um, and in general, um, majority of them, because they haven't had um, the the education or the training, uh, they make a very poor job of that, and majority of them can't even feed themselves off that that area of land. So. Over time, as as we were training, we we were we came up against a lot of hurdles. Um, we kept serving into the poorest of the poor and just being faithful with with where God had had focused us um, in Brian's vision. Um, and over time, <coughs> we saw a lot of 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 poor communities coming out of poverty. Um, they they would then. Um, start to to become more self-sufficient but but this has taken a long long time right. um we all a majority of even the ngos and and the other organizations that we've trained they would generally leave christ out of the picture and just focus on the technology and technologies will come and go but unless you change the heart of a person um ultimately the results are all, always the same and 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 Technologies will, will will flourish, and then they'll kind of flounder, and and they end up in the same position where they were. So, so we 
we we focus on heart change and and trying to show them how Christ um, died for them and and show them that they're valuable and they're precious and and try and restore the dignity dignity that has been taken from them because a lot of our our people in our nation are are given food handouts um, they they end up becoming dependent um, and that really strips them of their dignity because they they don't have a, a sense of self-worth anymore mm. um, so so it's a really big problem in Zimbabwe particularly but in Africa in general as well so um, and we, and we've always fought hard to try and um, free them from those yokes of dependency and poverty um, because it's amazing what a man with a hoe can do and they just don't know that they can do it because yeah as as the bible said my people perish for lack, lack of knowledge um, so our job is is to to help them find that solution um, and so so we'll go into a community and we'll listen to them and they'll pour their hearts out to us about how they don't have this and they don't have that um, and then we gently steer the conversation into what do you have and then they start to see how much they have really been blessed with and how much we can do with with very little if we're willing to to bend our backs and 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 work a little, um, and that, and then you'll see the lights come on, and then then you can start to teach them a little bit and and show them how easy it is to actually sustain themselves. So through that process, um, we developed what what's called the Fumfutsa project um, concept, um, which is getting a family to feed themselves off a very small area of land and I think Daryl will be able to to expand a little bit more on the on the whole from Fudza concept and how that's impacted our nation okay what what is that called from Fudza so Fudza is a local Shona word okay from Zimbabwe it means very simply springtime or the time of the year when the buds begin to come out on the trees it normally happens a fair while before the first rains appear and we use it as a point of reference as a farmer you must be ready when from happens so are you ready as a farmer then obviously it has a further connotation that we use in that are you ready for the return of Christ as well so from is a very important word for us and we call that that model is able to feed a family off of a sixteenth of a hectare, which is about one-eighth of an acre. It's a very, very small piece of land, 16 meters wide by 39 meters long. Uh, each row has 56 plants, maize, corn plants, and we expect one cob from each of those plants, which, when shelled, taken off its cob, will result in one 20-liter or think it's about a five gallon bucket mm. of shelled maize that is enough shell corn that is enough to feed a family of at least six for a week and have extra so we've just ex- extrapolated that row 52 times for the 52 weeks of the year and they will then have 52 buckets which equates to enough food for one year it's a very simple model it was 
given to us by God. And we've been training that faithfully for nearly 10 years now. And what happened was the beginning of last year, just before COVID hit, the beginning of 2020, Zimbabwe had just gone through a very tough rainy season where we had a 35-day dry spell right in the middle of the season. And what that resulted in is most people, most farmers had lost their crop. It, it died. But when the government went out to assess the situation, they kept finding these plots of the most beautiful, productive, high-producing maize. And they said, how did you do this when everybody's maize has failed and you've got this beautiful crop? And the people kept saying, this is a Fonfudza plot, and we were taught by Foundations for Farming. So we were then approached by the government, and they said, we want this Fonfudza concept to be part of our national policy. Mm. We want to nationalize it. And obviously we were very happy to do that because it's something we'd been praying for for many years that wouldn't it be amazing that from Fudza, if it was adopted by the government and here they, they came to us and asked us for it. So it was exactly the way that Brian had been teaching for many, many years saying, don't go to the kings and the rulers, serve the people who need it most. And God will change a nation that way. What happened last year, through the COVID season, we began to train uh, government agritechs officers who then trained farmers. And by the end of the training season, they claimed to have trained 1.8 million farmers in our wow. nation. The, the, the country planted... I think it was 220,000 hectares using the Fumfudza model. And the country overall, at the end of the season, produced 2.8 million tons of maize, which is four times what they had produced the previous year when they had planted five times the area of about a million hectares. So they planted a fifth of the area and produced four times more. So we saw God move in many different ways last year in our nation um, but it's just been amazing to be part of this journey to see what God has done with with a model that he gave us and has now changed the the very way that our nation is doing things oh, that's amazing and so when you're um, I guess teaching this method of teaching uh, where is where is the gospel presented do they say well we just want you know, the farming techniques, we don't want all of these uh, biblical connections in it, or how, how does that get worked through? Well, when we were called Farming God's Way, that happened all the time. People would come to us and say, we want you to leave the God stuff out. God then very clearly told and showed Brian that he needed to change the name to Foundations for Farming. Jesus is the foundation. So it's almost like the name is in disguise. But since the name changed, no one's threatened by the gospel that we teach. We still teach exactly the same thing. And we are still very, very overtly Christian in everything we teach. But people are not threatened by it. So since then, I don't think there's been anybody who's told us or asked us not to leave the God stuff out. So in everything we do, from planting seeds, preparing field, 
everything has scriptural references linked to it. And obviously there are a lot of stories of even how Jesus taught and what the things that he taught, which were outside in the field mm -hmm. and have a lot of agricultural references to it. So it's actually very easy to, to bring scripture into an agricultural training. That's awesome. And, and, uh, and I think it's easy to, to build relationships with people when, when you're hoeing in a field because, because you're standing next to you, them, you're working with them, you can fellowship with them and, and, and just say, well, this is how Jesus did it. Um, he's, he spoke to common um, uneducated people. He, that was his focus. Um, we, we're all part of his, his family, his kingdom. And, you know, you, you, can, you can then start to, to gently preach to them. Um, it's not standing there from a pulpit um, right. or anything. It, it's, it's, a, it's an unthreatening way of, of speaking to them about Jesus and how much he cares for us. Right. Yeah. A very natural just conversation, life. Yeah. Yeah. You know, living yeah. life together. Yeah. That's great. Exactly. One of the things you said earlier um, really stood out to me, and that is um, a lot of these communities you'd go into and, and people felt that they didn't have the resources. And you you helped them see that they did have those resources. So what does that what does that mean? Could you elaborate a little bit on what you're talking about? Okay. So um, traditionally in the history of Zimbabwe, we had a, a very large, um, very productive commercial farming um, sector. So the majority of our small-scale farmers aspired to be like those farmers where they had tractors, they used okay. fertilizers, and, and that was kind of like the standard way of doing things. Um, but we, we, we come to them and say, well, you don't need to have all of those things. And would you like us to show you how to do things without all of those things? So we, the, the hoe, the, the common hoe is, is the only tool they really need, which majority of, of, of farm or of communities and families within the communities have access to hoes. Mm -hmm. um, so that's the only implement they really need. And then when, when we teach, we teach them how to make compost Mm -hmm. um, so it frees them from, from the need to, to use fertilizers. And that's, that's also been a journey because majority of them have, have been um, captured by the mindset that if you don't have fertilizer, you can't do anything. Which could be expensive. Yes. Yeah. And generally it, it is expensive. Most of them don't have those sort of resources. Mm -hmm. I mean, our, our, our nation has been um, gone through hyperinflation its economy is broken um everybody is is in 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 dire economic need if if you mm -hmm. look at it from that perspective so being able to afford fertilizers and 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 those sort of things is just out of their reach um but we we can come alongside them and say well you don't need any of any mm -hmm. of that stuff if you've got a piece of land if you've got a hoe if mm -hmm. you've got um the lord will supply the, the watering when yeah. at the, when the time comes, we have ample sunshine, which is all you need to to make things grow. Um, and then, as long as they have have access to to some seed, we a lot of our teaching it revolves around the open pollinated varieties, or what you um, would call your heirloom varieties. Okay. Um, because in the past, 
there was a huge focus on on hybrid varieties but you can't keep the seed from those and expect the same results um, so we teach them about open pollinated um, seed and then they the the lights go on and they say well we can do this hmm. um, and then when they start to put it into practice and they see the amazing results that that comes out of it uh, then then you just see people's eyes shining and and the joy that comes into their lives it's amazing that's great you know it's it's hard seeing people in, in difficult situations and and um, not wanting to just do something and yeah. I think that's oftentimes you you run into an NGO and and it's of the best intentions to see here's the problem or here's the solution and the way you're approaching it it's it's more challenging it takes more time but you can see the long-term impact yeah can i expand a little bit on that one of the things that we're facing globally at the moment is this climate change that people are talking about in our country they are using that as an excuse that the reason we've got dry spells and things are, are why we are having droughts and that because of these droughts and dry spells we have crop failures if you look at the way that we farm conventionally there's been some amazing research done where on a small piece of land if you do not if you plow the land first and you leave it exposed second 90% of the rainfall that falls onto that land will run off into the river, create flooding, create erosion, and silt up the, the dams and the, the riverbeds. Whereas if you start doing things the way that God is showing us, where we do not disturb the soil, do not break the structure of the soil, try to build the structure of the soil, cover the soil with a protective blanket, which we call God's blanket, only 6% of the water will actually run off of the land. The other 94% will sink down into the land. So it's, it's one of the things that we waste. Hmm. Not intentionally, but if you think of receiving a, a rainfall of 2 inches, <coughs> if 90% of that is running away, there's not much left. And right. even that little bit will be very soon evaporated by the sunshine. Right. Whereas if 94% of that two inches infiltrates directly into your field, what a difference between those two. So, you know, scientifically, you can prove it very quickly as well. It mm -hmm. just makes so much sense that if you do it God's way, you're going to be so much more successful. And that's just one of the small things, examples that we use. There are so many little things like that. And when you add them together, you have a success story at the end of the day. Mm. And it's something that anybody can do. That's great. So there might be a listener out there that is interested in you know, learning more about foundations for farming and maybe has a connection somewhere that thinks, hey, this would, this would be great over wherever it is. How would somebody found, find out more information about this? So we, we have a website Foundations for Farming, I think it's www.foundationsforfarming.org. And there is a second site called IWasHungry.org. I Was Hungry is a partnership with Foundations for Farming and Crown Financial Ministries. And if people want to help communities 
that is a, if they donate to I Was Hungry, that is a way of supporting uh, very poor uh, rural communities in Africa. At the moment, it has only been in Zimbabwe, but we've just had our first trainer of training uh, courses in Zimbabwe where we've trained people from South Africa. So the I Was Hungry program is going to begin there. It will soon be beginning in Malawi, uh, Zambia, and Namibia as well. And I Was Hungry training is where a very poor community is selected. We bring 30 individuals from a village. We want them to be living together in close proximity so that they know each other and they can work together and build relationship. They come and live with us for two weeks. We teach them about the four F, there's four Fs. Foundations for farming, or farming is the first one. Um, finances is the second one. Then there's family, which is the third one. And obviously faith is the fourth one. So during that two weeks, we have an incredible impact on people's lives. Many of them actually are converted during that time and asked to be baptized before they leave. We then visit them every month for another 12 months. And the person who visits the, those villages helps them with um, Bible studies, helps them with the relevant training for that particular time of the year. And <clears throat> those communities, we've seen them grow and become so independently self-sufficient, it's amazing. They start doing their own group activities and Bible studies. And we have so many reports and testimonies of wives who, whose husband went on the training. She says, what did you do to my husband? He came back a different man. When he left, he was a drunkard. He would never sh ask me what to spend our money on. He would um, beat me, etc., etc." And now he came back. He's loving, he's attentive, and he's asking me how we should spend our money. He's asking me to go to church with him. What did you do to him? <laughs> and, you know, there's so many stories like that. It's, it's just really rewarding and amazing. So there's, there's different ways that people can, can get involved. If, there's, uh, if they're from a nation who wants this to be brought to their nation, we'd encourage them to, to, to look on our website and to attend one of the international trainings, which we hold twice a year. Okay. We've got another one coming up soon in September, August, September of this 2021, where we've already got, I think, close to 30 participants who are coming to Zimbabwe. We'll be training them. They will return to their nations and hopefully setting up stations where they can train people in their own nations and culture groups. So we don't normally go to nations to train. We try to train people who can train in their own nation. Right. So what about uh, in the U.S.? I know you, you've come to an ECHO training, which is in South Florida. Um, would you ever bring a Foundations for Farming training to the U.S.? So um, Daryl and I are actually here as a result of coming to the U.S. to do a training. We have um, a station in Alabama just outside Birmingham. Uh, Noah Sanders is, is our resident Foundations for Farming representative in the, in the U.S.A., we also have um, some people in, in Canada too. Um, so 
initially we had a number of nations from from Latin America who were wanting to come for a training through our Crown Financial Ministries partner, um, and the connection was primarily through them. Um, they weren't able to travel to Zimbabwe in March for for our annual training or biannual training, so it was. It was planned that we would come, Daryl and I would come to Alabama and help NOAA um, hold this international training or for international participants here in, in, in the United States. So we had a group of 20 people. Um, majority of them were from the Latin American countries. And um, then we did some follow-up visits into some of their nations as well. That's great. So that's great. So is that something that uh, do you have to be from Latin America to attend or can somebody learn uh, the techniques and maybe pass that on if somebody's stateside? So we had a number of people from the states as well. Okay. Um, they they ranged from um, pastors who would who wanted to uh, use it in in their churches to to um, homesteaders who wanted to impact the communities around them. Um, there was a, a very varied group of people at that training, um, and they were all amazing. And you could see that God had handpicked them, and they were all going to go home and, and make an impact in one way or another, whether it was in their community or even um, they they had connections to, to ministries that were already working outside the U.S. as well. Um, so, yeah, I mean, if you are... A strong Christ follower, um, and you would like to use farming or gardening um, as a tool to reach people. Um, we help you to do that. That's great, and it was foundationsforfarming.org, and I was hungry. Is that right? Dot net. Dot net. Okay, mm-hmm. we'll we'll make sure we have those links in the show notes below. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So we have we we now have. Uh, stations in many countries in the world and it's it works in a very similar to like a church planting situation where we actually just give the we encourage people and they they take the vision back home with them Um, up until now it's all happened organically where these stations have naturally um sprung up where the need has been but we've got to the point where there, there needed to be a little bit more structure mm-hmm. a little bit more accountability and just everybody wanted there to be somewhere they could go if they've got a problem and not just be left alone so at the beginning of last year foundations for farming global was developed and it's like the uh, uh, umbrella international organization that's going to oversee everything. Craig Deal, who was our Zimbabwean CEO, has been promoted to be CEO of the, or, the global organization. And we are here primarily primarily as a global initiative. And South America is somewhere where we hadn't been yet, but there was a lot of people wanting training from there. Um, This has been a very challenging journey for Hazel and I. We've been away from home for two months already. And we've contracted COVID during this trip. 
we've been isolated in Guatemala <laughs> <laughs> and we but we've had a lot of fun uh, we haven't been to all the nations we were meant to go to because of this these disruptions and positive tests etc and I think we're gonna have to come back again we're not sure exactly when that will be but it looks like one of our new um, job descriptions if you want to put it that way is that we might become the the global travelers <laughs> i know that craig has got the far east already in his sights and eastern europe as well so there's a lot of work to be done all over the world and we hope to have more and more stations popping up in places that either we visit or more and more people come from for this knowledge it doesn't have to be about agriculture in some of the nations like Canada and in the UK they're using it to for for people who have drug problems or family problems and just other issues there's a spiritual poverty rather than a physical poverty and people are finding Christ just through planting some vegetables in a garden mm. which is amazing that is amazing and it's amazing to hear how God's continuing uh, to use this, this this opportunity that you guys have had this this history of farming and and continuing to write the story. I think so many are probably wondering the big question: uh, Will crocodiles be a part of <laughs> the future for foundations for farming? Will it be crocodile farms? Um, I hope not. <laughs> we are we are doing chickens. We there will be some other animals involved. Um, we do a lot of worms and stuff like that, but. Hopefully no crocodiles. <laughs> yeah. Well, thank you guys so much for joining today and just sharing your story. And I encourage anybody that's listening to, to go and look at Foundations for Farming and uh, IWasHungry.net and FoundationsForFarming.org. But we'll make sure those links are in the show notes. Do you have any final thoughts as we close out? I'd just like to thank you guys so much for what you guys do. Uh, iTech is an amazing partner of ours and... We're very honored to, to work alongside you guys. Thank you. This is what we call a win-win. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Yeah, we, we're going with the iTech team down to Ecuador on the Wild Vision trip, and we're super excited. I know they're really excited to have you down there. Uh, some of our Ecuador team was, was a part of that training in Alabama, so it'll be a little bit of a reunion down there. So you guys will have fun. So. Thank you. All right. Well, yeah. thank you guys for joining us on this episode of the Mission Minded Podcast. Thank you for joining us for this week's episode of Mission Minded. For more information on today's topic and show notes, please visit our website, itechusa.org. Mission Minded Podcast is produced by iTech. The goal of this podcast is to inspire conversations about Great Commission participation. The views, organizations, and individuals represented, interviewed, and discussed on the podcast do not necessarily represent an official position or formal partnerships with ITEC.